Welcome to episode one. I'm uh, Briar. I'm Matt. And uh, we're going to talk about North Korea today. And uh, what's going on there? Why do we care? You know, I think that's a reasonable, a reasonable question to ask. You know, and what's going on there? Why do we care? And maybe we touch on what do we do? And we'll definitely touch on, or I'll throw out what I think we should do on the Patreon. So. Yeah, North Korea is definitely one of those places where we've almost become sort of desensitized because of so many media headlines, but we really want to bring it back and not only provide some historical understandings of the peninsula, but also the things that are happening now and the geopolitical alignments that are resulting of that, so... Yeah, and I think it's it's not even just like the desensitized. We're also like not exposed enough yeah, to it. Yeah. Like because the stories you know we want to talk about today, the the current stories, you know have have really or for me specifically have very little to do with, you know, the nuclear crisis and stuff yep, like that. Exactly. You know, there are stories about people that we don't hear because they're just people. Exactly. So. Exactly. Uh, I mean, to start, uh, we're gonna we're gonna skip a little forward or, or not. We're gonna go back in time, but forward to the start of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, the so-called, under uh, Kim Il Sun. Uh, he was a, a smart guy, as as far as I can tell. Uh, he basically created this whole system of like the cult of the leader which has basically turned the leader, the supreme leader, into a god figure more than a leader. Or at least when it was Kim Il-sun and Kim... Uh, damn, I totally lost uh, Kim Jong-un's father's name. Uh, uh, so... But it's regardless. Is it but Kim Sun? Kim there's a there's a there's a new uh, a discrepancy coming out, you know, for out of North Korea that a lot of people are are not a lot of the citizens. The citizens still a majority of them still very much subscribe to the idea of the cult of the leader. Yeah, I believe that's the Kim Jong Il. That's yeah. it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I... So, the cult of the leader was very smart. Yes, definitely. And it's it's interesting because looking at the dates here, I presume these to be accurate, but 94 to 2011, which is, you know, 17 years, but... That's uh, Kim Il-sun? Yeah. You'd think... Or... uh, um, er, That would be... Sorry, Kim Il-sun, Kim Jun-il. Kim Jong-il. That's Kim, Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-il was 94 to 11. Yeah. Kim Il-sung was 48 to 94. Yeah. Obviously, okay. you know, almost 50 years, 46 years. Yeah. So, you know, how do you think that dynamic affected? Uh, quite the reign of power. Yes. Quite the reign of power. Obviously. And, I mean, there's a lot more history to come of it. But um, the, the, the interesting part is the fact that um, Kim Il-sung was basically, like, groomed to become... The leader, and I don't know how this really exactly the psychology behind it. Who decided we're going to make this guy the supreme leader? Because now they are the supreme leader. They have, 
you know, there's a dis- there's an argument about how much power does the military have, how much power does the aristocracy have. Um, I don't know because they're uh, they are ins- insanely loyal to their leader. So I don't know how much power anybody other than Kim Jong Un has. I mean, definitely. I mean, just looking at the estates, obviously it's just been that family's rule, yeah. at least since the division of the Korean Republic, right? And certainly it's... At least you don't really see an end to this either, you know? Like we were talking about a little earlier with Kim Jong-un's sister, you know, getting in power. There's still more bloodline to the family. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, she, he's, I think, or at one point she was his closest mm-hmm. confidant. Uh, I mean, obviously it's been a long time since his uncle, I think, was openly removed from a meeting of political figures in North Korea um, who was kind of, I think, not exactly going against Kim Jong-un, but, uh, but uh, I think had some differing opinions on some certain actions they were taking. But uh, back to kind of the history, which is kind of where this whole starts, is the big thing after the Korean War is they decided that they were going to have this caste system, and the government later places people into three castes. It's a core, which is the core people who can be trusted, wavering, which are people who may like flip sides, who are maybe like convinced of new uh, ideals. And then hostile, which are people who are openly known to be religious, like Christian or Jewish or any faith other than the cult of the leader, really. And uh, or like even the people who own land uh, before the Korean War were placed into this hostile category, which immediately opens them up to being put into uh, like prison camps. Where the next three gener, you know, where their families are born, raised, live and die. So that's pretty crazy that to to own land when it was legal in Korea to do so now has has resulted now in people being imprisoned because their family owned land legally like in five generations previous at this point. Yeah, that's it's hard to imagine especially, you know, where we're from and land and being such an important part of our, our history. And, you know, we'll get, I'm sure, we'll get more into the penal system of North Korea and its obvious ethical issues per se, but also just, you know, facts about what they've doing and some of the horrors of that, but... Yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty rough. I, I'll, throw a, I'll throw a pretty wild number at you. Mm. Uh, there's there's three different types of, of, of prison camps, two to three, depending on who you ask. Uh, internment camps and re-educated, re-education camps, which then there's sub subcategories of these camps. But in the internment camps, which are as brutal, but held for like political prisoners, and it's where like families grow up. Uh, it's estimated at 250,000 people living in these camps, and one third of which are children. And what's the population? Do we do we have an accurate? Uh, well, I mean that's the thing. Is I don't that, think there's yeah. any accurate population on North Korea because it's all reported from the regime, exactly. and they make stuff up. Like uh, the reported number, um, the well, 
the unofficial but kind of acknowledged, the governmentally acknowledged official number of the same camp I referenced was 125,000. So basically, it's du- the 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 population that we, you know, with satellite imaging and witness testimony have, is almost double what they're claiming to have. Yeah. Wow. And I just read this the other day. Um, apparently, <clears throat> there is a uh, a standing order that if the Kim rule is to collapse, all of the prison guards are supposed to execute the prisoners. Wow. And, uh, I mean, obviously, I would I would definitely foresee mass defection on that rule. Mm-hmm. But also, that's coming from a mindset of an American. And they're so brainwashed to the power of their leader that in stories of people escaping, they talk about how they were afraid when they were escaping that Kim Jong-un or Kim Il-sung or either or any of them could read their minds while they were escaping because they have them convinced that the leader has the power of like the geo christian god yeah so maybe they would execute all the prisoners out of loyalty fear or whatever you want to call it i mean i certainly think that is a logical argument and a logical assumption that could be made i mean We've obviously know and we'll go more into just the power of the family and how it's, you've already hinted at, you know, the brainwashing and the effect that has on people. So there really isn't, there really isn't any reason to not think otherwise. Yeah. And it all goes back to the cult of the leader, which is super intelligent. But I think from what I can see, it's kind of starting to fail. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the upper-ranking military people uh, don't really support Kim Jong-un. Or, you know, there's a lot of inner t- turmoil within the country, I think, within the military ranks. Or a lot of fear. And uh, he's not a healthy man. He is Kim Jong-un is not a healthy man. Uh, he is... Uh, this is just kind of a... Throw this out here, but for what it is, the... They report the Democrat, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea reports that he is five six, and uh, our intelligence says that he's somewhere between five three and five five, and uh, he weighs between two hundred and ninety pounds and three hundred and fifty pounds, uh, and that is, it said that where the source I got this from said that, it, it, that he has gained an average of 65 pounds a year for the past five years. That is crazy considering the food insecurity that the population experiences. Uh, yeah, I mean, this food insecurity is, is insane in North Korea. People starving to death. I think they've started moving the bodies off of the streets because our our satellites can now see that they like this the bodies on the streets so I think the government has now started moving the bodies off the streets but with but people the factors talk about it that's one of the things that they all talk about is watching is people starving to death and just dying on the streets uh so that's and that's all due to this this regime of this socialist regime yeah 
And uh, this is, I, I honestly can't tell you the source of this. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I, I saw it somewhere, and it said that uh, the the regime doesn't care, isn't worried about the population until um, 90% of their population is dead, until only 10% of the population remains. And uh, that's nuts. That's dangerous. And that's all, scary. And all I can think is it's probably because that's the percentage of people that live in the capital. Mm. Or the percentage of people that live in the capital combined with the percentage of people that they deem absolutely vital to this to the continuation of the just capital lifestyle. Yep. In Pyongyang, uh, so that's kind of wild. I could uh, I'll throw this out here because it's interesting. If you look up a satellite image of North Korea at night. This is kind of a this kind of drives it home for you if you don't really if you can't understand if you can't if you can't picture a place like this. Um, there's a ton of pictures out there. I'm looking at this one from the Daily Mail, um, and you can see Seoul to the south, south what south east yeah whatever uh, southeast. Uh, um, and then there's a little and it's a huge bright spot. And then just northwest of that, there's a tiny, tiny bright spot in a sea of darkness. And that's the capital of North Korea, Pyongyang. And the rest of the rest of the country has no electricity. So their people live like it's the 16th century. Like people die on, on trips and don't come back. And that's like a common thing. And we haven't had that since the railroad was installed in the United States. That's just insane to think about, especially just our culture and just thinking about other cultures' lifestyles and wow. That just and like like you said, I've seen the pictures, I've seen the map. It is it's it's really a star star striking striking image. For sure. Especially because you think of the tension between North and South Korea and you think you almost think North Korea has this sort of edge, but South Korea has all this light and technology and energy, and it makes you wonder. And then just to their north, you can see the wave that's China, the wave yeah. of light that's China, and it's more than one city, I think, none of which are the capital. They're all minor minor cities, not minor cities, but not a major city yeah, in China. Compared to relative. But compared to North Korea, they're... In, they're like the sun. They're yeah, insanely it's bright. It's insane to think about how someone we deem so powerful can have such a lack of electricity. It's like you would think that runs so much of our world today. And for you know a power to ha not have electricity, it's just... Wow. Um, so that's... That's what. Well, we're getting pretty close to the end of our uh, our recording length for the Spotify. I don't even know how long we've been running. It doesn't feel like very long. It does not. Uh, but we're gonna run like another one, the same length, 
right? For yeah. at least for the Patreon. At least for about, the Patreon. I mean, I think we established at least you know pretty good. I mean, we're still rolling, and I don't. I'm not seeing anything. Yeah, I mean, at least for the most part, we've established a historical and yeah. analysis of North Korea and some of the current. I think uh, the biggest thing is just the the amount of just how terrible it is there do, isn't seen in America and it's and there's a lot of reasons for that and uh, we'll get into those on the Patreon definitely or at least my my beliefs on why those reasons are or what those reasons are but uh, the imp- the most important thing is that people know about it and actually say something about it at the very least yeah, I mean, you know, I'm looking at, there was a new watchdog report, for those who don't know what a watchdog report is, it's a non-profit government news aggregator, and it, you know, creates reports, establishes a lot of data, and puts them out on multiple different facets, mostly focused on security, AI, those types of things, and it just enlightens you about the abuse and torture within like we were talking about penal systems and specific things victims had to endure from being beaten, starved, to having to eat roaches and rats. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, here's a, here's a quick little fact I'll throw in here for you. I forget what year it is. I believe it was before Kim Jong-un. I, might, I may be incorrect on this, but uh, the government outlawed having pets, specifically dogs and cats, because it was a sign of capitalism, but they really just collected them all and slaughtered them all so they had food for the, the poor, the, the peasants, or what they really are. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's it, pretty crazy. It's crazy. The, it, to think about the information we do have and how horrific it is combined with the lack of information and the sort of secrecy that comes with just anything about North Korea is it it creates conditions that may not be so favorable at least for us to think about or people in the region yeah and as you know westerners per you know I think the least we can do is bear witness and and say something you know retweet retweet something on you know retweet the link to this somewhere you know or whatever somebody else's just Say something, learn you know, learn something about it because it's 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 human rights at this level. It is, and you know, I think that's a sort of aim at the pod, especially because we often overlook sort of issues of more ongoing structural violence in the face of bigger, larger threats that we perceive. So, you know, I think it's important to the both of us at least to shine light on real-time ongoing things that are happening that aren't talked about. Yeah, and there's some stuff that, you know, that you don't know to talk about, and that's kind of the goal of this podcast is to kind of, like, at least throw it out there and be like, wow, you know, nobody's talked about this, but we should. Exactly. But I think that is a a decent place to end it for now. So uh, I'm going to say to, if anybody listened to this, thanks for listening. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you in the next one.